Hello, my name is Larry Hiles. I'm the preaching minister at the Milford Church of Christ. Thank you for taking the time to watch or listen to this message. Please feel free to share it with friends. Also, if it's impacted your life in any way, reach out to us and let us know how. If you live in the Centerburg or Mount Vernon area, we'd love to have you be our guest. We're located at 3648 Johnstown Road in Centerburg, Ohio. We look forward to the opportunity of meeting you. Seven. At the beginning of the month, we started a series called Behold, a Savior is Born. And in week one, we focused in on the idea of hope. On week two, last week, we focused in on the idea of Jesus being a servant example that we're to follow. And today, what we're going to focus in on is the idea of peace, the idea of peace. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. And may your spirit guide us through and draw us closer to you as we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It took us a little while this year to set up our Christmas tree. April got sick and she was down for a couple of weeks with that sickness. But when we finally set up the Christmas tree, we, we just set the, the tree up with the lights and we left it on there uh, because then Dom and Tate wanted to help us decorate. So uh, here are Dom and Tate helping us decorate our trees and our tree for some reason that that tree had a lot of bulbs around three foot and lower. I had to move a few of them, but we kind of left it there. And then we asked the boys to pose afterwards. And if you know Tate very well, uh, Tate doesn't like his picture taken, so he wouldn't do it. But Dom gave us a little pose there uh, in the middle when we were done decorating the tree. Uh, you know, April and I, one of the things we like doing is uh, sitting in our living room, turning all the lights out, and, and just enjoying the lights of the Christmas tree. Uh, there's something that's a little bit peaceful about doing that, having those lights on. Uh, there, there's a certain feeling of peace that we get from it. And, and peace is one of those primary themes that we're to focus on during the Christmas season. Uh, because what we got to remember and think about is that, that peace is what is promised from God's word. Uh, and the opportunity for peace was delivered when Jesus died, when he was buried, when he resurrected from the grave, defeating the power of sin and death. Uh, and so when we think about peace, have you ever found yourself wondering, how do I find peace with God? How do I find peace with God? Uh, so, and the truth is, is that's a question that we ask, but when we just really think through it a little bit, we, we have the answer to that peace with God question. We find peace with God through living according to his word. We find peace with God through accepting Jesus Christ to be the Lord of our lives. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 18 declares these words. These words were written by the prophet to the people of Israel. And he said, if only you had paid attention to my commandments, God says, uh, then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Have you, have you ever thought about a river? You know, we sing the song from time to time, when peace like a river attendeth my way. We sing that song. And, but when you think about a river, there are times that you come up to a river that it's peaceful, it's tranquil, it's flowing along very quietly, it's beautiful. But other times when the, the, the river gets shallow all of a sudden with a lot of force behind it and there are rocks and branches and everything else, uh, uh, the tranquil sound is replaced by a roaring uh, rushing waters, or it's going around curves and bends, and, and, and they can be quite dangerous. And, and this is what uh, the writer said there, Isaiah said, then your peace would have been like a river. So a, a river is not something that's always uh, tranquil and peaceful. In fact, there are times that, that um, sea billows roll, like Horatio Spafford would say, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Uh, he understood what was taking place here. And, and when you think about the analogy for a few moments, a, a river is a fresh body of water 
that's fed by springs or smaller streams. And and to experience true peace, the follower of Christ must be fed by the word of God. A river is is continually being renewed by moving waters. And and a river begins and ends with a body of water. Every river has an upland source and every river has an ultimate outlet. Uh, And so peace like a river flows from that continuous connection that we have as followers of Christ with Jesus and, and a reliance upon his Holy Spirit. And so it's a great reminder that our present life, our present life has an ultimate outlet. Our present life is, will one day find itself standing before the judgment throne of God. So, so we know, we who know Christ, when we drift along these rocks and these turns and, and, and the waters get rough, we understand uh, what God's word declares, that we have eternal rest. And until then, our earthly peace is found in one place. And, and that earthly peace is found in Christ. John chapter 15, verse 4 declares this. Abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit from itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. So peace is something that we all desire. Peace is something that's promised to those who trust in God and trust in Christ. And and remember, peace is not something that's stagnant. It's moving and it's an act of trust in God. And there's a passage of scripture that we often focus in on during the Christmas time. And it's found in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and seven. It says, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There'll be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of Yahweh of hosts will accomplish this. There are a few titles that are given there to Jesus, right? It says, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace is the one that we're going to focus in on this morning. And, and here's the thing. We've got to understand there are going to, three lessons that we're going to go through. And the first one's this, is that this peace is promised. It's promised to us. Uh, Think about this fact. Who doesn't want a life that is peaceful? Who doesn't want a life that's free from conflict? When we think about our world, we want a world that's free of war. We want a home that's free of conflict. We want a church that's free of strife. We want all of those things to be true. And the peace that's promised here in Isaiah chapter 9, that peace is found within a person, the Prince of Peace. And and we have the benefit of living on the other side of the cross. So we know that the ultimate peace that we can have as individuals comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's this understanding of peace that, that made it possible for the Apostle Paul to write these words. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your considerate spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds, your minds in Christ Jesus. See, as we're flowing through this river of life and we're hitting those unexpected rocks, those turns and those cliffs, we can rejoice in the Lord. Why? 
because we're at peace with God through Jesus Christ. And this peace surpasses all comprehension. Some of your versions may say all understanding. This peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This peace, the peace of God, it was prophesied hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. And and the promise is that despite everything going on around us, despite all of the conflict in the world, all of the strife that we see, all of the, uh, the focus on negativity, the promise is, is that there's ultimate peace in Christ. See, we we know what that means, right? This means that we can hold on to faith through trials. Uh, This means when there are threat of wars for the follower of Christ, we know that God's ultimate good will be worked out. This means that when sickness does pop up, that that we can trust God to walk us through. This means when death does happen, we, we know that God has an ultimate purpose there, even though we don't like it in the moment. This means that when financial strain does come, and it will, that we don't trust in our riches. We can rejoice in our troubles because we know, we know that nothing can separate those who Uh, love God uh, in Christ Jesus. Friends, this doesn't mean that we enjoy those struggles. I'm not declaring that we have to go around and boast about all of these things, but the the truth is is that we can have hope. And and if you'll remember this past year in a sermon, I, I told us what hope is. Hope's not wishful thinking. Hope's a confident expectation in the promises of God. So so we can have hope in those moments. And so this peace is promised. And the second lesson for us is that that worldly peace is different from godly peace or God's peace. So so we can either contrast those two. Jesus declared this in John chapter 14, verse 27. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Jesus declares that there are two types of peace in this world. There's the the peace that the world has to offer, and that peace is always fleeting, and it's only temporary. But then there's true peace. This peace remains. This peace is grounded in eternal truth. This peace can never be taken away from us because it's found in a special place. It's found in Christ. So what does worldly peace look like? Worldly peace is found in material wealth. We can lean into that material wealth that we have in this world and we can be comfortable at times. Worldly peace is found in the absence of conflict, right? When nations aren't at war or when the home is peaceful or when the church is free from strife. So long as we're free from conflict in the moment, we have peace, right? Worldly peace is found in the treaty that's signed by presidents and kings uh, of nations. And in the moment, there's hope that we'll be free from conflict. Worldly peace is found in good health. And what we've come to know about worldly peace is that it disappears. The retirement account will one day go away. It'll go away to pay a doctor's bill, maybe a nursing home bill, or something far worse, or the economy might collapse and the zeros might start appearing. The conflicts will always come back if they go unfinished. Have you ever noticed that? If you just keep pushing conflict down the road and not dealing with conflict and the reason that that conflict is there, if you just want a home that's free from conflict, then you ignore the problems. You act like they're not there. The same thing's true in a nation. The same thing is true in a church. That's what worldly peace does. The next presidents and kings care very little about the previous administrations and what they've signed, and they just can't wait to get into their war. But God's peace, God's peace, as we've looked at it from Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, God's peace surpasses all comprehension, all understanding. God's peace is not fleeting, or it's eternal. And you always know when you encounter a soul who's living in God's peace. Nothing can steal their joy in life. 
Nothing. Nothing can shake their faith in the goodness of God. God's peace will carry them through the fiercest of storms. It'll carry them through cancer. It'll carry them through grief. It'll carry them through loss because they understand where God's peace comes from. It comes from very great and precious promises in God's word. Promises like 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, therefore, do not, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet the inner man is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is working out for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Friends, did you see that little phrase that he had there in that passage? He said, our light and momentary afflictions. And can you think about some of the things you carried in to the throne of God? Can you think about some of the struggles that you've had in life? I mean, in, in those moments, they are far from light and momentary, right? They're, they're strong, so they're, they're, they're weighted. And so it's not as though the follower of Christ loves the fact that there's a thing like heart disease or cancer or sickness or war. It's not as though the the follower of Christ desires to grieve over those who have passed. What we know is those who fall asleep are in the presence of the Lord. It's not as though the follower of Christ wants their life savings to disappear, but what they know their hope can't be found in a worldly treasure. And it's not as though the follower of Christ desires for there to be conflict in the home, in the church, in the world. But we know if it goes on dealt with, it only gets worse. So godly peace will lead the follower of Christ to share the thoughts that Paul had. God, when he said this, uh, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, look what he says, friends, are not worth, not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. See, that's what godly peace does. Godly peace will impact us like it uh, impact a, a young girl named Amina who was arrested in East Africa for evangelizing in the Muslim region of her country. And you know what her punishment was? Her punishment was that she was placed in a shipping container with a small hole put in the top of it so they could lower food to her and get oxygen in there. Uh, And then that shipping container was buried in the ground for a period of seven years. And when they pulled this container back up, they expected to find this young woman, uh, a life just distraught and full of uh, everything not good. Uh, But when they pulled her up, what they found is that her face literally glowed. And she had a glorious look in her eyes, and she was the happiest woman in town. And when asked how she could be so full of joy, given her imprisonment in such horrible conditions, she said, I spent seven years in one nonstop prayer time with my Lord. That's a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's godly peace. You know, it's claimed, how many times have you heard it claimed that in the Bible it says that 365 times not to worry or not to be afraid? Anybody ever heard that proclaimed? Truth is, I mean, it sounds great and it preaches well, but it's not true. (laughs) It's not true. Depending on what version of the Bible you look at, I looked at a different couple of different versions this week, and one of them was 111 times, which is a lot. Another one was 91 times, which is a lot as well there. But the message is true, and it's clear, right? As a follower of Christ, we are to trust the Lord for tomorrow. And trusting the Lord for tomorrow has a powerful way of removing the worry for today. And when the worry for today is gone, there's peace, not just for today, but for every day. Once again, the words of Jesus. 
Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So peace is promised, and it differs from the world. Godly peace differs from worldly peace. And let's look at this final point here. Um, It's living in peace. How can we live in peace? How can we have peace with God, peace with others, peace within ourselves? And I know we've already looked at the verse, but once again, Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, The first thing that we must do to live in peace is to realize where peace comes from where true peace comes from. True peace does not come from the absence of conflict. It does not come from a a full retirement account. It doesn't come from uh, how life is going, whether you had a good night's sleep last night or or your partner's happy with you. No, that's not where true peace comes from. Isaiah 9 tells us that that Jesus would be the Prince of Peace. Now, the verse is still up on the screen, and I want you to focus in on the final three words of that verse. The final three words of that verse let us know where true peace comes from. True peace comes from being in Christ Jesus. So so true peace has nothing to do with earthly possessions, and it has everything to do with our spiritual position in Christ. And and as a result, as Paul would be able to write, he, he would write these words, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through who? through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we boast in the hope of glory. Friends, I need to pause right here because we need to ask a question and each of us need to have a moment right now to ask to answer this question. Are you in Christ? Are you in him? Because apart from Christ, you may have fleeting peace. You may have a full retirement account. You may have good health. You might have all of those things. But if you're a part, those things will disappear. But if you're in Christ, if you're in Christ, you have a peace that will last for all eternity. And friends, here's another aspect of this that we have to be able to ask ourselves and to look deep within our souls. If you're in Christ, then peace should be expected in your life. And, and if you have an absence of peace within your life and in your heart, that might be a warning sign coming from God that says, hey, wait a minute. Maybe your spiritual position needs some work here. Maybe you need to have some time of repentance Maybe you need a renewal in your faith with Christ. And so if there's an absence of peace, this may be God's way of placing you in a position to repent and to renew your walk with him. So if you're in Christ, there is peace. And remember what I mean by peace, it's not the presence of happiness and comfort and safety. It's an understanding that through everything, God will hold you and keep you. And so if you're not in Christ, then then nothing I say after this will matter If you're not in Christ, then peace will be fleeting. You may have some sorts of comfort while you're here this morning, but however, until Christ is Lord, there's no lasting peace in your life. So your step today, if you're not in Christ and you're searching for peace, is is to answer these questions. What do I need to do to be in Christ? What do I need to do to be found in him? And we've shared these things over and over in our church. Here's the first question you need to ask yourself. Do you know that you're a sinner in need of God's grace and every single person in this room before Christ fits into that category? Do you believe that Jesus died in your place on the cross, resurrecting from the grave, defeating the power of sin and death, and he's one day gonna come back to take the church to be with him? Do you believe 
that you uh, need to repent of your sin. And you know what repentance is, right? It's a really simple process. It's, it's turning away from sin and turning toward God. It's turning away from something and turning toward him. And repentance means, that's what, it, that's what repentance means and what it is. Are you willing to confess Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life? You remember what the Lord is, right? In my devotional reading this morning, I just was reading in Luke chapter 17 in that passage of scripture that I've always loved and it's always been a challenge to me. But Jesus is saying, hey, which of you who has a servant, if you send him out in the field, and I'm paraphrasing here, that he'll come back and when your servant comes back, the master will say, hey, sit down, let me take care of you. No, that's not what will happen. The servant will come back in and take care of the master. And, And Luke chapter 17 verse 10 declared, remember, you're only an unworthy slave. It's done your duty, right? A Lord is Lord. A Lord has complete control of our lives. Will you submit to Christian baptism for the remission of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit? If so, the Bible tells us that you can walk out of here in peace and your heart and mind will be what? It'll be guarded in Christ Jesus. So for the follower of Christ in the room, our peace in Christ will increase as we trust and prioritize a few things in our lives. Those things that we need to prioritize are time in God's word. Friends, the more time you spend in God's word, the more time you saturate your soul with God's word, the promises of his word, they open up more and more. I can tell you that from, I'm horrible at math. 20 years of, of, of experience of just opening up God's word and reading it. And over the last few years, making sure each year I read the Bible from the front to the back, And it's amazing to me how often the promises of God's word will leap out of my heart in those moments of need when I I have them, right? So so prioritize the place of reading God's word. Prioritize prayer in your life. Man, I love the fact that we know scripture, right? I mean, we know it. So many of us know scripture. And and a lot of times when I'm reading some of these passages of scripture, you, you guys are recalling to memory those verses that as you've read them before. I mean, we know them here, but isn't it true that we often have a, a knowledge here, but a disconnect here? You know, we have the knowledge of what God's word says, but then it disconnects from our heart, it disconnects from our hands, and it disconnects from our feet. And there's one passage of scripture that really I thought of in this, and it's found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. So Peter wrote these words, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Friends, when was the last time? When was the last time you really emptied your heart out to the Lord? I mean, just really emptied it out. God, I, got, I have a lack of peace in my life today. And the reason I have a lack of peace, it's this right here, Lord. I, I need to give it over to you. And, and then I know what the God's word says. I mean, I read it again this past week as I'm reading through the gospels where Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow, what you eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear. God knows that you need these things. And, and after all, he takes care of the birds of the sky. He's going to take greater care of you. you know, so, so don't worry. And so then that verse gets into my head. But then I, as I continue to read through God's word, I, I get to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. And right there, God says through the apostle, I cast it all upon me because I, I care for you. And so those things that rob us of peace, God's asking us to to bring them to him. And now we've shared our fears with loved ones. We've made them known to coworkers. We've used anxieties as reasons for not following God, but not trusting in his word. But God's word declares that we can cast them on him. Why? Because he cares for us. 
God cares for us. He cares for us. So, So Jesus told us, like I said, not to worry. Jesus told us in the Gospels that we're to ask, seek, and knock. And finally, Jesus told us in the Gospels that our Heavenly Father will hear our prayers. And he declared that if our earthly fathers are able to give us bread when we ask for it, how much more, how much more will our Heavenly Father give us his Holy Spirit? Let me read it to you from Luke. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And it's with God's Spirit guiding the next steps that we take that we can trust God and find our peace, find that true peace in him. One author writes this. I know one minister who returned to his pulpit 10 days after his son committed suicide. Under duress, he read this text. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose and visibly struggling. He said, I cannot make my son's suicide fit into this passage. It's impossible for me to see how anything good can come from it. Yet I realize that I only see in part, I only know in part. He continues, it's like the miracle of the shipyard. Almost every part of our great ocean-going vessels are made of steel. If you take any single part, be it of steel plate out of the hull or a huge rudder and throw it into the ocean, it will sink. Steel does not float. But when the shipbuilders are finished, when the last plate has been riveted in place, then that massive steel ship is virtually unsinkable. Taken by itself, my son's suicide is senseless. Throw it into the sea of Romans 8.28 and it sinks. Still, I believe that when the eternal shipbuilder has finally finished, when God has worked out his perfect design, even this senseless tragedy will somehow work out to his eternal good. Friends, that's peace like a river. That's being able to carry your sorrows to the Lord when they're rolling like sea billows. And I know a lot of times when a preacher stands up or you're sitting in a class, there are these, these uh, religious and theological truths that are shared, and you know that they need to be true, but there's that disconnect, right? That disconnect from here to here, uh, because the truth is, is that most of the time, the reason we have a lack of true peace in our lives as followers of Christ is because we've not really cast our anxieties upon him. We've not really believed the truth of his word. And we've allowed the hurt of the moment to take away the joy of tomorrow. So peace is promised, and it's something that we can all have. Peace is something that only comes through a proper and a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so let me ask you this morning once again, where is that peace found? It's found in Christ. Friends, are you in Christ? If not... What's going to keep you from taking that step of faith today? And if you're in Christ and there's an absence of peace, what is God poking around through his Holy Spirit in your heart right now? What's he asking you to give back to him? What's he saying, hey, cast that upon me. I care for you. And ask me and I'll give you the Holy Spirit. Friends, those promises are there for the follower of Christ. And if there's a lack of it, will you repent? And will you renew your walk with him today? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word and the challenges that we get from it. My prayer, Lord, is that each of us indeed walk out of this room in that lasting peace. 
that comes through the Prince of Peace. And so, Father, for the follower of Christ in the room this morning, may we all allow your Spirit to search our hearts and minds and point out those areas that we need to cast upon you. We know you care for us, Lord. We know that you're there to hear our prayers. So help us, Lord, to repent and renew our walk with you and to listen and to watch your movement in our, watch for your movement in our lives. And Father, if there's a soul yet to make that decision to, to declare Jesus Christ the Lord of their lives, may your spirit do his work of conviction and lead them to take those steps this morning. Or if anybody is going to watch and listen to this message later, uh, that, it, that in their home, from their workplace, in their car, you begin to work on their hearts through your spirit. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing a song of invitation. And if you'd like to respond in any way, I'd love to meet you down here in front. Let's stand and sing together.